Welcome to Trial Stories, an informative discussion of civil justice with a focus on the human story. I'm your host, Arkady Frechtman, a New York City trial lawyer passionate about helping serious injury victims and their families. Good morning. This is Arkady Frechtman, a New York City personal injury trial attorney. And today I wanted to do an update video about New York City ceiling collapses. I did a video in July of 2021 all about ceiling collapses, what someone should do, how do you prove a ceiling collapse, what are the values, and I just wanted to do an update. So we're still seeing ceiling collapses in all types of buildings. Mostly it's in apartment buildings where someone has complained about a crack or a leak and then the landlord says, yeah, sure, I'll get to it, I'll fix it. And then for whatever reason, they don't. And then the entire ceiling collapses or a part of that ceiling collapses, injuring someone inside the apartment. We've seen it in the Bronx with ceilings collapsing, injuring multiple people in a family. There was one case in Brooklyn where the entire ceiling collapsed, meaning the entirety of the room, the whole thing collapsed, which is very, very rare. I believe that one happened because there was a lot of pressure. It was a top floor and the attic uh, was improperly maintained. There was a lot of pressure, so the whole thing collapsed. Usually it's just a portion where you have the crack or where you have the leak. So the important thing to remember with ceiling collapses is that you need to prove notice. And there are three ways to prove notice. So number one, you can show that you did complain to the landlord, to the management company, and that when you complained, they didn't fix it. They didn't remedy the situation properly. And then after a certain period of time, the ceiling collapsed. So had they listened to you, had they listened to someone in your household who made the complaint, who told them, hey, there's a leak in my ceiling, there's a crack in my ceiling, this is dangerous. Had they fixed it properly, then this would not have happened. And that's known as actual notice because you actually notify them. Now, the second way is constructive notice. If you just look up at the ceiling and you see a crack and the crack exists or the leak exists and it has been existing for a period of time, such as six months, three months, a year, you know, a period of time. And even though you may not necessarily complain to the landlord, the fact that it exists should tell the landlord, especially if it exists like more than a year, because in New York City, landlords do inspections once a year of apartments, that they should be able to find it and they should be able to fix it through one of these inspections when they actually go there and they actually look, you know, how come they didn't fix it? So just the mere fact that it exists, that's known as constructive notice because it exists, it's dangerous. If you would have seen it, then you should using reasonable care, find it and fix it. And if you didn't, then it's your fault as a landlord, as a manager. And then the third way is if the landlord or the management company or the defendant, maybe it's a construction company, is the one who created the collapse. Now, if they're doing some kind of work, let's say above you, if you're in apartment 3A and they're doing work in apartment 4A above you, like plumbing work, and they're doing it negligently and the plumbing isn't done properly and the plumbing leads to a leak and then that leads to a ceiling collapse, well, now you could sue the landlord, the management, and the uh, plumbing company, the plumber, for 
causing and creating the condition because they're causing and creating the danger, the ceiling collapse that is happening by their work. So those are the three ways, actual notice when you complain, constructive notice when the issue exists for a long time, or um, caused and create when the defendant creates the condition. And the more proof you have, the better. So if you're going to complain, it's good to complain in an email or in a text message and then save that as evidence. Because if you just say, yeah, I complained, and then they'll say, no, no, you didn't. Look, we have a logbook. It's empty. You know, because invariably, these defendants always find a way to say, you know, we don't have something. It's very rare. Like all the cases I've handled, like hundreds and hundreds of cases, probably even thousands of cases over my career, very rarely do I see the defendant admit like, oh yeah, the plaintiff complained. I think one time I remember them having it because it was typed up and they had to turn it over and it was typed up, yeah, the plaintiff complained. But for the most part, they always say, we didn't get any complaints. Even if you do complain, you know, we don't know anything. Uh, they, they like to bury their head in the sand. Like we don't know anything. We didn't see anything, we didn't hear anything. Um, like when the ostrich buries its head in the sand, that's what they like to do. And so it's very important for you to keep the records. So keep the records. If you're going to complain, do it by email, do it by a letter, uh, do it by text message, and then save the screenshot, save the email, save the um, copy of the letter, you know, whatever you're gonna do. That way you have proof that you did complain and it's actual notice. And then what are the typical injuries and what are the lawsuit values that you can see with ceiling collapses? Well, they really vary. A, a, one of the injuries that you do see is a neck injury because when the ceiling collapses, it could hit you in the head, obviously, and that could cause a neck injury, such as a herniated disc when the disc inside the cervical spine, the neck will rupture, and then the liquid inside the disc known as the nucleus pulposus will leak outside the disc and then hit those nerve roots and there are a lot of nerves. There's the fecal sac, then there's uh, nerves going, like for example, in the neck, the nerves will travel and then they'll travel like known as like brachial plexus nerves and they, they travel to the shoulders, they travel to the arms. So if you're having, let's say arm pain or hand pain tingling in the fingers, that could be due to a herniated or bulging disc in your neck because the neck pain will travel or radiate to the arms and that's known as radiculopathy. And one of the ways they can test for that is by doing an EMG and that it actually listens to fibrillation potentials and waves and it's like conclusive evidence that you have this nerve impingement and this radiculopathy, radiating pain. So that's uh, one of the ways, EMG also known as NCV, nerve conduction velocity testing. And that's usually done by a physical therapist along with MRIs, which are magnetic resonance imaging, which will just show, they won't show all the nerves, but they will show the disc injury, the herniated disc. And then if you have that herniated disc, then you start your treatment. And one of the treatments you may get are either epidural steroid injections, a percutaneous discectomy, uh, ablation, uh, a rhizotomy, different types of pain management procedures, depending on what the doctor thinks and what your symptoms are. And then if it doesn't go away, then one of the things that people get is a full-blown surgery. Like a percutaneous discectomy is a surgery, but it is minimally invasive where a striker decompressor uh, type procedure will remove the leak from the disc. But, you know, it's not as invasive as a full-blown anterior cervical discectomy and fusion. There, the entire disc is removed and then um, 
usually a titanium plate is put in and there's screws put into the vertebrae, which is the bone. So that's much more serious. Like we had a case with the ceiling collapse and the lady did need uh, a full-blown fusion. And that case settled for nearly $2 million. I believe it was 1.75 million. That was a recent case in Brooklyn. And then we've had other cases with ceiling collapses. And right now we're working on a few cases with ceiling collapses where there are fusion surgeries. So those, you have to build up the injury, of course, like in any case, you have to build up the damages, the human story, the medical proof, as well as the liability. And I would say generally the liability is a little bit easier because, you know, the ceiling shouldn't collapse, um, you know, in the absence of negligence, it really shouldn't happen. It's not necessarily a race ipsa. There are some cases that are race ipsa, meaning the thing speaks for itself and this just cannot happen without negligence. Ceiling collapses aren't always race ipsa, but they're fairly easy to prove because usually you fall under one of those three uh, categories of notice and you just get as much evidence as you can. You have photos, you can get the repair records to see what they had to fix after the collapse. So the liability is usually not the issue. Sometimes what the defendants will do is they'll argue that, yes, there was a collapse, but it was minor. It was just like a little piece of the paint or the sheetrock. It wasn't anything that could hurt you and that you're like a malingerer, you're a faker, and you're claiming all these injuries, but they were not caused by the collapse. So then you have to get your doctor to give you what's known as medical causation and testify and say, well, I'm a doctor, I'm the treating doctor, I'm a specialist, and in my opinion, with a reasonable degree of medical certainty, this ceiling collapse was what caused this particular injury. And then you have that rebutted, and then once you have that medical testimony, as long as that is believable and the jury believes you, you have a much stronger case, and then you can win your case in court because the defendants will of course call their doctors, which are the IME or DME, the defense medical experts. But remember, those are defense doctors, meaning they always testify for the defense for the most part. They're hired guns. And no matter what, they're going to say that the injury is not caused by the ceiling collapse because they're being paid for by the defense. They're being paid for by the insurance company and the defense lawyers and they are like their hired guns. So you don't really expect them to say anything more. But oftentimes they'll do these exams and the exams will be so quick, like a minute, two minutes. And then of course, if you show all the evidence from your treating doctor, who's treated you all along from the date of incident up until the trial, and you compare and contrast that with somebody who's seen you for like a minute, then obviously you have the strength and all the evidence is on your side and you're going to win that case. So I hope this has been helpful. Let us know what other questions you have, and maybe we could do a little bit of a deep dive about ceiling collapses. I could review some of the verdicts and settlements that have been going on in New York City in the last few years, and then we could talk about specific cases, and we could talk about some more cases that we are handling. So let us know what questions you have. Please like and subscribe to our channel, and I'm gonna be doing a few lives soon, so you can just join me live and ask questions in the chat and I'll try to answer your questions live so that we interact more as opposed to just doing these videos, you know, but that, that'll be a little bit better, I think, because we can answer client questions and then later that'll give me more ideas for videos. And that's also something that you feel free to comment and leave us your ideas for future videos so we can create better content to serve you and that could help you. Okay. Hope this has been helpful. Let us know what other questions you have. Have a great day. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you very soon. Bye-bye, everyone.